Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 43, Being Well is Not the Same as Being Cured with John L. Mokadam. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Changeable. In this episode, I'm talking about health, physical health, mental health, emotional health with my colleague, John L. Mokadam. And really what we're looking at here is something that's so sensitive sometimes, our physical health, pain. It's one of those things, you know, that that drives us straight into our heads. It's one of those things that almost always looks like an exception to what we're sharing here, where people will argue innocently, understandably argue, but my health comes first. My health is making me feel this way. My health is making me think this way. And I get it. And my guest in this episode, John, gets it. He really gets it. He's he's gone through major health challenges and helps people through them. So it's such a sensitive topic. It's one of those issues that just always, you know, feels a little, uh, you know, defenses are going up. You know, it doesn't look the way that it sounds. And, you know, what that means to me and to John, I think, is that there's a lot of room to see stuff. There's a lot of room in these really sensitive topics to really lean into what we're sharing and just have that what if attitude and just look in a direction and a little bit goes a long way. So John and I start this conversation talking about what health means, what it is to us and not to he and I, but to each of us, like what is your definition known or unknown like stated or unstated you know when you when if someone were to ask you what do you how do you know you're healthy how would you answer that I think the average person says you know it's the absence of pain it's the absence of illness it's the absence of anxiety it's the absence of depression or it's the presence of these things and what we start to explore in here is what if wellness? What if true health and true wellness is something that's so much bigger than the presence or absence of anything? All of that stuff that we're, we're checking off our list, it's present, it's absent, it all comes and goes. It all has a quality to it that is relatively superficial. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't feel it in big ways. It does not at all mean that it doesn't impact us, but it's different. It's different from what we're talking about when we really look at wellness and health in this way. So I I love the way that John shares, um, especially again around these topics that are so sensitive at times. And I think he does that because he sees this deeply and also because he's been there. So he has so much compassion. And I just love the way this conversation went. There's there's room in this one. If you listen with an open mind, whether you have health challenges or mental health challenges or any of that, there's so much room to hear something brand new in this episode. So enjoy and let us know what you hear. Hey, John, thank you so much for coming on Changeable. Hi, Amy. Nice to be back again. Yeah, I'm happy to talk with you. Um, so I thought you would be a perfect person to talk with about um, about this idea of 
kind of how we define, I guess, um, health or wellness or whatever it is, you know, like, like, and define is a funny way to say it, but I guess the question really, and I know you've, you've spoken about this recently and written a bit about it, is um, looking at this question of like, how do we know we're healthy? And for each of us individually, you know, like how our concept of, oh, I'm healthy, or this is what health looks like, or this is what wellness looks like, how that impacts us. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because just as you were saying that, I was thinking about why would we even need to define health? Yeah. And and I was thinking as, you know, as that was sort of going around in my head, and I was thinking, well, we'll try and set a standard thinking that if we reach the standard, then we get to be okay, right? So, you know, people do this with health all the time. So they define health as, as you've said to me previously, like the absence of pain or the absence of fatigue, the absence of, you know, whatever symptom it might be. And, and we kind of try and box it in into a thing and go, yeah, this is health. But what I see over and over again is that these labels, these ideas that we come up for what constitutes health, whether it's physical health or mental health, they actually seem to become the trap. You know, I mean, the the piece I think you saw that I'd written this week was sort of looking at what we see as mental health. And, you know, for the longest time, I had been caught in this idea that mental health was the absence of anxiety, the absence of depression, the absence of feeling low. And so what that seemed to do to me was leave me in this constant state of red alert, this constant state for monitoring the extent to which I was, you know, close to my standard or not. And, and the more I would assess that I was far away from that standard, it seemed like the, the, the busier I seemed to get trying to make myself comply with the standard. Yeah. And what, what I've come to see for myself is that actually we're, we're always okay. But it's that we, the more we make up these standards and start to believe them to be true, the more we seem to busy up our mind, get ourselves lost in thought, lost in thinking. And that seems to reinforce this illusion that there's something really wrong with us. So, you know, one of the stories that I often sort of tell people and, and, and really I remember um, going back to like 2008 was a period when I was really like, it was like someone had set off a bomb in my life and everything was in tatters. You know, my health was in tatters. My work was in tatters. My relationship with my wife was in tatters. My, uh, I didn't see my son born, you know, when he was born because I'd been so unwell. Like there was no part of my life that was untouched at that point. And I was in this state of seeking health and seeking order and seeking everything to be so perfect. And I was so, so like anxious all the time. I was so, so miserable all the time. And then I had this moment where I was with a teacher of mine and I don't remember exactly what we were talking about. He was a yoga teacher. I think we were talking about the nature of self or something like that. I don't even think what we were talking about was that important, but I had this moment where I just settled into this space of being really okay. And I can't, 
I can't describe it that well because it was like, I just got really quiet. I suddenly, I dropped out of this state of striving to get somewhere. And I just found myself in this place of what I can just describe as being okay, as well-being. I didn't get it at the time because, you know, as I looked at the situation of my life and I looked at my health and I looked at how I felt, you know, most of the time, I was like, well, how can I be feeling this space of well-being in the midst of this? Yeah. It didn't make sense. Yeah. And then what I came to see, you know, by being in this conversation and, you know, looking in the direction of how our experience is created, what had happened in that moment for me was I'd actually dropped out of my concepts of health, my concepts of what was going to make me be okay. And I'd fallen into just being okay, just being healthy. And that didn't mean I didn't have symptoms. That didn't mean I didn't feel low. That didn't mean that my life didn't look like a total wreck. It just meant that for a moment, I'd actually found what I'd been looking for in striving to you know, stay true to all these ideas I had for what health was. So it looks to me like we get it backwards. We, we get it topsy-turvy. You know, we, we make up a standard for what's going to make us okay, make us healthy. And we strive after that so hard. And all that striving is just lots of noise in our head. And that takes us away, ironically, from what was just there underneath to begin with. This space of just being okay, this space of well-being, which is always there irrespective of what's going on in our lives or with our health or whatever it might be. It's like our, our definition in our mind or our idea of, of how things need to be prevent us from feeling that because they're just more layers. Like I'm picturing one of those mazy rooms with all kinds of walls and half walls and you have to find your way around it. You know, it's like, that's what all of our thoughts do. It just keeps boxing us in and boxing us in. Yeah. And then we have moments like you had, but sometimes you probably had lots of moments of starting to fall out of that, but you wouldn't even recognize it. If it doesn't match with how we think it's supposed to go or look, we're not even going to see that. And so it's so yeah. cool to hear how, you know, as we, as we start to kind of look toward how this all works, it's like everything expands and we get to feel that wellness you're talking about even in pain, even with yeah. anxiety there, even with stuff yeah. on our minds. And it, it, like, it never seems like that's possible, you know, but then it's like it expands and you're like, whoa, this is so much bigger than I thought it was. I have both. Mm -hmm. It's so funny, you know, because I, I love what you just said, because I didn't really recognize what I'd fallen into that day. It, you know, I probably stayed there, I don't know, a couple of seconds or, or something like it wasn't that long. Yeah. It was just like, what is this? And then I resumed thinking about my life, thinking about what I thought I had to do. And, it, you know, it was years later that I actually saw, oh, wait, I was actually looking for that space. And, I, and in that moment, I just didn't realize the nature of it. I didn't realize what was actually going on. You know, I'm reminded as, as you were talking, I think it's a, a T.S. Eliot quote, and it is, we shall not cease from the exploration. And at the end of all of our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. That was what happened to me. You know, I, I had that experience and then resumed exploring. 
And then once I came to this understanding, I was like, oh, that was there all along. It was just this misunderstanding about the nature of thought that was actually duping me away from that. Yeah. So, you know, these days when I'm not feeling great about my life, I mean, I'm not perfect in any way, shape or form, but when, when I'm not feeling that okayness, it's just really good to know that all that's going on is that I'm duped by thought in that moment, right? Yeah. That doesn't even necessarily drop me out of it, yeah. right? It just takes away so much of the struggling and the striving that used to occur as a result of not knowing what was going on. Yeah. And to know that ah, there's so much, something so huge in that, like to know that regardless of what we're feeling, regardless of the experience, like nothing has gone awry. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't mean, like you said, it doesn't pop you out of it. So that doesn't mean, because this is another invisible layer that we bring in, right? Oh, well, there, then I'm going to pop out of it. Then I'm going to feel relief. I don't know. That's maybe it. you don't feel relief. Maybe you just sit right. and suffer for a while. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it matters in terms of your experience in that moment. Yeah. But it's not, again, it's not about getting somewhere. It's like, even in suffering, nothing is wrong. That's it. Experience we're having. You probably see this yourself, Amy. I mean, I have a lot of clients who, you know, they, they touch this kind of space that we're talking about. And then particularly if they're kind of seeker types, striver types, whatever, they then turn being in that feeling into the new goal. Yes. Right. So, so they'll start trying to use things like, oh, it's just your thinking as a way of trying to beat themselves up of, you know, dropping out of their thinking so they can come back to that space. Yeah. And I, I, I find that I have to remind people that, you know what, you can touch that space, but I don't know many people who are living in that all the time. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure that we're meant to be in that all the time. Yeah. You know, I think it's just good to know where it is, what's its nature. So I know I'm never far from it, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to feel it all the time because yeah. I'm having a human experience. And there's such a learning curve I see with people, I'm sure you do too, in terms of um, of really easing into that. It's like, at first it's still like, okay, I kind of get what you're saying, but but I just still want to get there more. Like, this is going to help me get there more, right? <laughs> you know, and then you're like, I don't know, probably, but probably in the big picture, you know, but again, that's not what it's about, you know, and then, and then it takes a bit sometimes or then it's like, oh, now I see, we're just seeing how we work and that's okay. That's it. All, all the time. Yes. It's funny. I mean, people just recently, I, I finished a, a six week course of the school little school, big change for people. A lot of people are brand new to this understanding come in there. So, you know, still in week two and three, it's like, well, I, I felt really bad. And I told myself it was just the clouds and I'm the blue sky, but it didn't work. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, it won't. It won't work that way. I mean, maybe it will. <laughs> and if it does, you just got lucky. You know, you just, your thought just, your thoughts just kind of settled anyway, but it wasn't because you said that, you know, and it, and it's, so fascinating to look at that. But, but, but it is one of those things that once you see it like that, once you see, oh, it's just a description of how, how we operate mm -hmm. and it's always going to work that way. There's such, a, such a, an ease that comes with that. Yeah, there's another layer of kind of doingness that drops away 
Um, You know, I I, I know that trap that you're talking about. I mean, I fell into it. I thought that this was, I mean, I'll I'll tell you a funny story, actually. I I thought that this this conversation was a recipe for just feeling good all the time. And then when I, when I, years ago, when I first started my training in this, I had breakfast with a couple of sort of first gen teachers and I, I went to sort of sit with them and, you know, I was like, wait, you guys can be neurotic. You guys can be anxious. You, you guys can actually get annoyed at things. I'm like, I must be in the wrong gig because I thought you guys didn't feel any of that stuff. And then I realized something. I actually, I let myself sit with it and I was like, oh, you just don't have anything on yourself being that way. And I have loads of stuff on me being you know, not that way. And, and that's when I started to see, oh, no, this is not about taking away our humanity. This is about us becoming really free with our humanness. Yeah. It's not about getting rid of it in some way. Yeah. And that was huge for me. I'd spent all my life trying to get rid of aspects of my humanity. Yeah, me too. Oh, gosh. And, and it's so... You know, it's just such a roller coaster because I think like we were saying before we we hit record here, deep down, we know it's not going to work. Even when it's working, it's not really working. It's taking effort and, or we're, you know, in the back of our minds thinking, when is this going to end? Because as soon as mm-hmm. I don't feel, you know, we know it's coming back because we can't deny it. We're human. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so... It's so fascinating to me. I always love to just look at little kids as just such an example of how we're kind of meant to do this or how we come out doing it, you know? And, mm. and so when the people are, when, when the, the people who aren't around this understanding are like, okay, so what's the technique? What's the practice? How do you get there? How do you change your thoughts? You know, it's just such a fascinating thing to say, well, I don't know. How does that three-year-old doing it over there? They're not, you know, they're just totally okay in whatever's showing up. Yeah, I mean, I love you brought it to kids. I mean, when when we first had our son, I thought that I was going to have lots of stuff to teach him. And what I saw was, oh no, he's actually teaching me. You know, because I could see how one minute he'd go from being really angry about something, you know, maybe I wouldn't give him a sweet or whatever it might be. And then literally two seconds later or a minute or two later, he's like, oh, can we play this game or can we go out to the park? And, and so his experience was so fluid. And I came to see that kids in general, particularly when they're really young, they don't have anything on their experience at all. So they do seem to ebb and flow really easily. And then as they get older and you know, we as parents come along with our great ideas about things and we try and make them feel better and we tell them, no, you shouldn't be feeling that way. And, and so a lot of the time they start thinking about how they are. And it's the minute we start thinking about how we are and assessing whether that's good or bad against some standard that we now actually set ourselves up to not only not have a fluid experience, but we often seem to make that experience worse. It seems yeah. to exaggerate it. Yeah, I think it's so helpful for parents listening to this to kind of like we can see what happens when we start to worry about our kids and you start to at least worry outwardly. Like it's exactly what you just said. When you when the kid knows you're worried about them, suddenly they're thinking about stuff that they weren't thinking about before. That's right. So it's like, you know, if we're watching our kids' health, mental health, physical health, seeing stuff that that in our adult minds 
we think maybe isn't quite right, just mm-hmm. pitch yourself. <laughs> you know, like watch how the kids handle that. I think it's so fascinating. A few years ago, my son had a, was biting his nails a ton. Mm-hmm. Like down to bloody, disgusting, right? And and uh, <laughs> and you know, I help people with habits, so I'm like, oh, he'll be fine. He'll snap out. Except when it got past my mind's uh, you know, timeline, right? From when he was supposed to grow out of it, and he hadn't grown out of it yet. That's when I started thinking, okay, maybe not, right? So, but I could feel it, and I could see it, and then we'd start having the conversations, like, buddy, do you realize? Because he didn't even know it was like a nervous thing. It would just you know, they just go in his mouth. And, but, but I could see by in those conversations, it became more on his mind. And now he was thinking about it. Now he's looking at it. And it's just so funny to watch that. And he did grow out of it. And we didn't do any major interventions. Um, we did the nail polish though, that tastes disgusting. Oh, that tastes bad. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't even care. He just chewed right through it. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff's bad too. So, but anyway, so we did do a few interventions, didn't do anything, but he grew out of it. But it is so interesting to just watch that. Notice where our mind goes for them, right? Mm. But then notice where their mind is and just, mm. and just, to just kind of sit back and see, huh, I wonder which of these is going to be more fluid and resolve itself sooner. It's so funny. I was at um, I was at school yesterday talking to a headmaster about you know this understanding and and what I've seen about it. And um, I was telling him how with the kids that I've worked with, a lot of the time there's so much less work to do with the kids and so much more work to do with the parents. In you know in the context that I've been working in, because actually what happens is you know the kid does something like bite their nails and then the parents go on red alert for that mm-hmm. and the kids then see how much of a problem the parents then have for it and they think oh well this really must be a problem yeah. and now it's on their mind more and more and more so with the work that i've found myself doing with kids it's like actually if you settle down like like if you take mental health as an example you know with the kids I've worked with, with anxiety, if you help the parents see how anxiety is actually a, a normal part of being human, right? it's not actually a, a pathology, so to speak. It's just yeah. an aspect of the human condition. Then when their kid gets anxious, they're less likely to go to them and go, oh, you've got anxiety and what do we do about it? And they'll just go, oh yeah, it's just part of being human. Yeah. And that means the kid doesn't think about it so much. And it leaves space for this fluidity and space for new insight to come through. And it's those things that actually create the changes rather than our interventions most of the time. Yeah. I feel like we should um, address something that might be on people's minds. You probably get this often mm. around like if, if somebody's listening with a physical health or mental health concern, right? Something that they would like to have go away or change or at least have a different experience of. If they're listening, thinking, yeah, but if I'm not thinking about this and watching it, and maybe even if I'm not worrying about it a little bit, it's just going to keep getting worse. Mm. Like, what do we say to that? I mean, there's, there's, there's some common sense, some inner health that's there guiding us, right? That doesn't take our monitoring and thinking about Right. Yeah. I think that is the thing to see. I mean, part of it is, draw. so when, when I talk to people about physical health, there's an aspect of the conversation which is about drawing their attention to see 
the millions of bodily processes that go on in their body without them even thinking about them. Yeah. Right. So they cut their hand. They don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. They just go, oh, I've cut my hand. That might be sore for a bit. And, you know, something sorts that out. Our heart beats, you know, even though we're not thinking about it, we digest our food um, without thinking about it. And, and I think we often think, oh, health is an exception to that. Right. So um, I, I got to handle this one, particularly if it's something that's quite scary. And I think there's two aspects to that, or a couple of aspects, actually. The first is helping people see that what we've talked about already, that being okay has nothing to do with getting rid of whatever symptom it is yeah. that they've got, whatever condition it is that they've got. Um, second, there is already an intelligence built into us. And the nature of that is it's built towards health, right? It's built towards repair. It's built towards fixing things. And, and when you really look at it, half the time it doesn't require our intervention. You know, particularly in, in the case of our body, we can see all the things that go on without our intervention. Yeah. Um, but thirdly, there's something about seeing that if there are things that we need to do, those things we know to do them. They aren't things that we have to think about. So, I, you know, I'm not one of these people that says, yeah, just stop thinking about it and you get well, and you don't need to take medicines, and you don't need to take anything. It's like, I don't think that's true. But equally, we don't need to sit there and get lost in our thinking trying to figure stuff out as a means of knowing what there is to do. Yeah. Right? Because when you look at the nature of that, there are loads of things that we just do because we know to in the moment. And the same is true of knowing to go to the doctor knowing to take a medicine, knowing to take a supplement. Like we don't have to get lost in our thinking and take ourselves away from our well-being to know those things. Those things, that knowingness comes from our well-being. Yes. Part of that intelligence. I think that's um, so huge. So like, I mean, that just took so much off of me when I first saw that. Like, wow, we are designed for this. Because that not that at the root of so much of anxiety and then physical health issues and all of that is like we, we pretend like we need to run our own lives and run our own bodies and run our own minds. Are you kidding me? Like that, and we don't know how. <laughs> so that's even worse news, right? Like yeah. I need, I'm in charge of this and I don't know what the heck to do. Horrible. Yeah, no gave me the instruction <laughs> manual for that. Yeah. Yes, that's horrible news. But I love, so I love what you're saying. I think that's so huge to see is like, just look in the direction of that. Like, like look at how much is being done. It's the same mentally, right? It's like, we think, oh, I thought this, and then I thought this instead. Like, do you know how many thoughts you had that you didn't, weren't even aware of because you didn't need right. to be? There's so much that's happening behind the scenes. And when we look there, everything gets so much easier. Yeah, the more we see what, how it's working behind the scenes, just the less we have to do because we see just how much is actually being done despite us. And it's just, it's such a trap, isn't it? Thinking it's up to me. I mean, that was a massive one for me. I mean, it looked like, I mean, my wife used to joke, she said, oh, you've got a 10 year plan for your life. And there was on that plan that I don't think there was an aspect of my life that I wasn't trying to run or control or shape. Yeah. And I see that I didn't really do a great job when I had the 10 year plan, but I still seem to handle those things without the 10 year plan. 
which is just interesting because it tells me there's something else at cause other than me and my lovely ideas of what I think I do, you know, to make my life happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so great. Thank you so much for this conversation. I think, um, you know, I think the one of the biggest things kind of where we started is like, and you've said this several times in this conversation and when you spoke with the students in my school, which was really impactful for them, is, mm. you know, we don't need to be healthy, free of symptom, free of any, nothing needs to change in order for us to be well. That's yeah. a huge thing to look toward. Yeah. 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 We often talk about it in terms of the difference between, you know, having health and being cured, right? Mm-hmm. We think that being cured is what leads to health. Mm-hmm. Actually, you're already healthy, but the idea you've got to cure yourself is the thing that's taking you away from the health. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, John. Great talking with you. Pleasure as always.